Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. <laughs> it's the nuns joining you live via technology itself. Alongside me is Justin Waddell. Justin, greetings. Hey, everyone. On BTR. You must be have some sort of delay there. Um, Steve is long asleep since he works at Lowe's, and he uh, he has to be at work at like three in the morning. So we're without that little prick. It's just it's just us magic men, and I'm perfectly fine with that today. So welcome back to the Blog Talk Radio thing. This will complement our other podcasts and hopefully allow us the ability to do this on a more regular basis, and uh, and get back to doing some fun action. Justin, what's the last movie you saw? Uh, I watched uh, this morning, I saw a little bit of, it. I think, a movie called um, Indecent Obsession. What did did Tony Goldwyn do in this movie? (laughs) I think it was called that. Uh, It was, uh, you know, it was like, you know, 6 o'clock in the morning. It's it's Insatiable Obsession. You know that film, right? Are you talking about the one... Where Ingve um, Malmsteen on top of Mary Lou Henner? It was directed by Wilkini Adams. Really? Wilkini, yeah. But it's, uh, I've been, it's, following, uh, been following their work for quite some time. It's um, it's a movie about a you know a writer takes his girlfriend to a house. House is haunted by a sexy ghost. One word. And the people, the neighbors or the people that kind of rented them the house uh, know it's haunted and then know that the ghost has left a million dollars hidden somewhere on the premises. And then all this sex happens. Yeah. So I watched about 15 minutes of that. Congratulations. Directed by Queenie Adams. I don't think we're going to be seeing Queenie Adams directing the next cop-out. No, no. How about you? What did you say? I've been watching a lot of TV. Yeah. Uh, because they sent me um, the last, the entire last season of uh, Nip Tuck, which I've completed, and they sent me the first three episodes of the new Tim Oliphant TV show, Justified, which I've watched. So we could talk what about that. Yeah. But uh, I'd like to use this opportunity in the Tim Oliphant segue to uh, also tell the world that I've got six segments from a scintillating interview I did with Breck Eisner, the director of The Crazies, which will be playing throughout the show. I figure what we might do is take a break and listen to the introduction to that. Okay. Are you, are you ready for this shit? I'm ready to hear Breck. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what you're about to hear is about two minutes of scintillating conversation between myself and Breck Eisner, the director of the George Romero remake, The Crazies, coming to theaters right after this podcast. And uh, I think you guys will agree with me that his work as the director of Sahara so far has made his name, but who knows? I've heard good things about this movie, actually. I'm kind of excited about it. I was supposed to be, uh, I was supposed to be seeing it tonight, but I had softball and like an idiot, and I went to that. So here is the first installment of the Breck Eisner interview. Folks, enjoy. I'm in Atlanta, which uh, I'm sure oh, you're cool. familiar with now. Are we doing a screening there? Yeah, tomorrow night. Nice. I spent a lot of time in that part of the world shooting this thing. That's right. and that's, uh, We've had a pretty good year for uh, people coming, uh, coming here and shoot movies. I like, I like yeah, it. Yeah, you know, the tax incentive and the crew base is really good. It's a good place to shoot. I, I wish we were in Atlanta proper. It would have... Uh, been a, a bit more relaxing, but you know. Yeah, you we guys were. We were, were down near Macon. Right, right. Did you did you get to trek out here and see what you know where the electricity was and all that? <laughs> Not at all, unfortunately. I was uh, so buried and everything, and we were really we were actually an hour south of Macon, so we were really, really far far down there. I'm sure. Well, there, I'm sure there's a Cracker Barrel or something. <laughs> <laughs> Longhorns. You know, Longhorns, it's not, it, you could do worse. You could yeah, do, it wasn't so bad. Yeah. It, it was okay. And there was a good Mexican restaurant down there, so I was happy about that. And plus you had a job to do, I guess. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little busy. Yeah. They, they kept me busy, for sure. 
And that's uh, the first segment, kind of like an Ain't It Cool interview where they talk about how great each other is and, and nothing really about the movie. So I'm proud to – usually I just delete that, but I figured, hey, for the podcast, why not give the people the personality that drives this website? Well, I, like, I do like the Ain't It Cool interviews with, was it with Clint when he starts it off when he's like uh, – it says, like, Clint, hey. And then, you know, Timothy Olyphant, hi. How you doing? Pretty good. Well, no, because that to me that dispels one of the fears I have is that basically, like one of them will either call the other, or they'll show up in the same room and just begin in the middle of the conversation. It's cool yeah. to know that there is that they've been taught the art of greeting. You know, like I was tempted to to include the part where the uh, the rep from the studio introduced us on the phone too, because I thought that might be pretty uh, important part of the interview. I mean, I, well, I. I Little eye opener. I mean, folks. I mean, let's face it. I mean, there's there's Charlie Rose, and then there's me. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, like when it, like that's the depth chart on our basketball team. But Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose. Charlie Rose is a fucking player. I mean, he's a baller. He's balder. He's a. He looks like a very tall, a tall drink of water, Charlie Rose. You know, he's always hunched over at the table. You can't ever get a good gauge on his height. But he seems to me that he's a gigantic man. He may be a marionette, which would be he an is. interesting spin. Can you imagine that? The the talk, talk show where the host is a fucking gypsy created marionette from the other the other dimension. Yeah. Yes. And you know, for, you know, some people know him as Chuck. Chuck, Chuck Rose. Rose. Yeah. Which is what I do after prom, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of prom, the worst. The last feature film I saw was one that I saw upon your recommendation. As a matter of fact, Target folks is selling the Blu-ray of Jennifer's Body for twelve dollars. So a good when price. I saw when I saw that plus the digital copy, there was nothing to keep me from owning it. That's Hell or high water. Too. I own it. I own Jack's I own it too. Body. I own it too. For I own the Blu-ray as well. I paid a little bit more than you did. Uh, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. As uh, mediocre Buffy episodes go, it's not that good. It's uh, very influenced by Buffy, it seems, and, and other things. But I quite enjoyed that film. Thought it got a bad rap. I know. I know you're surprised, but I'm not a fan. I, I know you. I knew you wouldn't like it. I'm not. I'm not surprised. I'm you sad. recommended it. You recommended it to every inch of me. Well, I don't. I don't often recommend stuff to you anymore. I think I just say I like things around you, but it's hard to recommend things to you because you don't really like anything I like. You didn't like I the like Temple you. Grandin HBO series. You didn't like Jennifer's Body. You didn't like Insatiable Obsession. <laughs> I mean, it's not it's not a horrible movie by any stretch. It's just, uh, like... it, it, and it, it's got some moments, but it it did feel like like a subpar Buffy episode stretched out the feature length. I do I like Amanda pretty... Siegfried and Roy, whatever her name is. She's pretty good. She's good. I, I actually like. I think the movie's pretty pretty clever, pretty fun. I think there's some amazing shots in it. Um, uh, I just think it's, it's a it's a good it's a fun movie. And you know, good amaz- I thought. Speaking of amazing shots, I thought Megan Fox did a good job in it. Speaking of amazing shots, Charlie Rose from the fucking perimeter. I can dribble. Tell me about it. He's a fucking swing man. Um, There's some decent decent photography and all that. Uh, I like the idea of a little spiraling uh, spring that takes you deep into the Earth's core. Oh yeah, and And it's directed by Karen Karen how you say her name? Karen Kuzma. Yeah, the girl who did what, Girl Fight? Yeah, Karen Keith. She sounds like a Street Fighter character, you know? Uh, that would make for an interesting director's commentary. Fiber! <laughs> Not a fan. Not a fan. The, the part of the problem is, is that, um, you know, I, I, I totally thought at least I would get to, to get um, to it, to ogle the somewhat bland Maxim-esque cover girl uh, lead actress, but she's not even that good looking in the movie. 
she, I thought they were going to really spruce her up and make her all hot in the ass, but that wasn't well, she, so I think, I think that she is, uh, you know, she's, she's pretty in the movie, but then, you know, half the time she's a, um, uh, a, a, kind of a hungry demon, right? So she, she's not, you know, she's that well fed and she's down. not fed. What is that? That shit doesn't slow me down. <laughs> I, she, I wanted but, Sammy Kerr to show up and show her how it was done. <laughs> but she, uh, you know, I thought she did a pretty good in that role. I, she, I noticed that she got nominated for a Razzie for her performance in that that movie. But I wouldn't go uh, that far. It was, nah, I no, think she, she that bad. actually did a good job in that movie. Um, if anybody's yeah, I think it was a pretty well cast film. I, I thought the kids were good too. I thought all the one thing I liked about that movie was um, the the victims, the boys. They were you kind of liked all you liked them. They weren't cliches really. I thought that they she did a good job. Yeah. Uh, Diablo Cody writing those characters. Yeah, there's some de- her dialogue sometimes creeps through and makes my ass hurt. But you know, what yeah. do you do? Well, a lot of people uh, complain about. Her dialogue, but really the dialogue, her kind of snappy Juno dialogue was confined to the two lead characters. They're, they're kind of right. uh, sisterly kind of and and really kind of, um, you know, lover-esque, I guess, relationship. They, they you know, they were kind yeah, of... Yeah, no, I, I, that was cute. That was cute. That was cute. And, and their kiss was, was fine. Um, and just so you know, folks, if there's anybody out there listening, please dial, dial in. Uh, the number is one three four seven. 826-9101. We are going to do a few calls. It's an hour show, and unfortunately, my Breck Eisner interview isn't a full hour long, so we're going to have to mix it up with some conversation. And by the way, I think it's time to, to visit Mr. Breck again. As, oh, uh, yeah? What? He and I, as we're going to discuss this time why The Crazies is ripe for a remake. Are you ready? Folks, yeah. Yeah. it doesn't get any better. Here we go. I think this is like one of the perfect films to remake because of um, how few people really know the original, and uh, yeah. you know it's it's got a re- it's got a, like a reputation and it's got like this uh, this kind of brand. But most people like know the like the the poster, but they don't really know the movie. Yeah, for and, sure. And uh, so I mean, like, what kind of opportunities did that afford you in approaching it? You know, to kind of do the the, re- the reboot. Well, I thought I mean that's one of the the attributes of this movie is a remake. It's there's, it's a movie that people who are cinephiles and who love Romero and love, you know, who have real love of movie know. Um, but the general public, is, it's, it's, it's yeah, definitely been a, one of the forgotten ones in terms of the actual movie itself. And I always think that's a benefit because you're not as saddled with an audience going in doing a scene-by-scene comparison, uh, which is always a, a scary thing to have. And also, it's a movie that, that had li- severe limitations when it was made. You know, most, most obviously was the... the the budget of something like 200 grand. And, you know, our movie was not a big budget movie at all by Hollywood standards, but we certainly had more money than uh, Romero did back then. And it's not that money, you know, makes a movie good or makes a movie bad. Obviously, we know that's not true. But the, when, you, when you're talking about Romero's original with a, such an incredibly limited budget, he couldn't afford the actors. He couldn't afford the scope of the movie that it kind of demanded a movie that's about a military takeover of a town, wants to have some scope and scale in its representation and portrayal of the military. And I think it not having that was a limitation, one that we were able to uh, to kind of work work around. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fucking hard-hitting. Uh, I, just, I just kind of yeah, chatted this or something to chat, but... Did you do you ask him if you can can you spoil it? Did you ask him how he landed Danielle Panabaker for this, this uh, film? Oh, just wait, just wait. <laughs> Danielle Panabaker. Um, was she in Shooter? Was she in Shooter? No, that's Kate Mara. I get all those fucking broads mixed no, up. No, it's not. Yeah, she was in. You know, Danielle uh, Panabaker. I believe was in one of your favorite films. But she uh, looks she looks a lot like Kate Mara to me. Well, she was in the Friday the thirteenth remake. And she got macheted through the chest. That's a little spoiler for anybody that was rooting okay, for her. Yeah, and she does the film. she does look sort of like Kate Mara. She yeah, she was I know her from Mr. Brooks. She was the daughter. Exactly. That she was in Mr. Brooks. She played the uh homicidal, possibly homicidal offspring. She uh, also cost, hey, a cost break, uh, I think is also, she uh, directed Dances with Wolves. 
I'm not kidding. <laughs> she danced, she directed that Bob Dylan documentary way back in the day. Which one? I, what was that? I can't remember. What's that guy's name? His name is like DJ Panabaker or something like that. Maybe that's her her his, her father. It's a scintillating conversation. She's also she's uh she's related to DJ Dylan Baker. I call her Danny Pants when I'm on set. <laughs> um, so Jennifer's body, I was a little disappointed with, but uh, well, I, I love nothing it. nothing heartbreaking. Let's not push to love. Come on. I do. I do. I gave it. I gave it four out of five on my Netflix ratings. So, newsflash. It's good. I liked it. I own it. Great. Yeah, look, Cody is is. Uh, she's better Successful. than Kevin Smith. Well, yeah. Talk a little, little bit about Cop Out. Now, you didn't see Cop Out, have you? Have you seen it? No. That's the one with. Yeah. No. Uh, Apparently, Devin, um, Devin says it's pretty good. Did, I didn't. I didn't see. Did he review it or something on the site? Did he hate it? No, he hasn't reviewed it yet. But he says it's like a, a void of good. It's a dire. And I'm not gonna. I'm not. You know, there's sometimes. There's sometimes when people. Uh, you know, when people could kind of guess how Devin, Devin's going to swing on a movie because Kevin Smith is obviously not one of his favorites. But yeah. if you watch any of the trailers, and if you look at what, what he's got to work with, I'm, it doesn't surprise me if it's a night, if it's a nightmare. Well, he can't. He keeps. If you read his interviews, he keeps saying how what an exercise this was for him, and how he didn't change a word of the script. So, um, you know, he he wanted just to shoot it, and then maybe record those guys improving a little bit. But he also he, uh, had them recite the stage direction too. Tracy There's Morgan nothing. walks to the car. There's nothing in the tra- in the trailer that's funny. I mean, the, the stuff that they've been showing on TV has been awful. I, I, I think everybody agrees. Is embarrassing, like where they're in the, where he's in the back seat. Yeah, I mean, he Shawn Scott's actually pretty funny. I think um, I, I like I like him. He seems like he could be funny in the film, but you know, Willis and Morgan seem like they're just not funny. And Willis, I think Willis might be the it, people really point to Morgan, but I think Willis might be the the key to the failure. I think he is. Well, just... Maybe, maybe, but Morgan has got one note, and when he when he's in the right environment, that note works really well. Like you know, who, who, does Willis not have one note? I mean, he he strikes the no, same note. No, hey, for... you're preaching to the choir. I mean, like Bruce yeah. Willis is he's uh... except maybe in uh, Tears of the Sun, which is just outstanding. What is that? He's just that's less than a note. That's like, it's like he picked up the instrument and looked at it. It's what like, was uh, that movie called? He's, he he of... picked up a trumpet and started hitting it with sticks, and he's like, what the fuck? It's not working. <laughs> but what what is that movie called? Is it Tears of the Sun? Or Tears, Tears of from the director. Yeah, Antoine Fuqua. Because yeah. I, said, I said, I I looked at the description of the movie, and it says a movie about the sun crying. That's it. No, that's the one. Starring Bruce Willis. I tell you what, Antoine Fuqua was like, I made a fucking awesome movie. Training Day is 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 lightning. It's fucking white hot. Let me do King Arthur and Tears of the Sun. <laughs> Fuck me. Like, uh, Antoine, Antoine, what? Fucks what us do you want to do next? What do you want to do next? I want to make a movie about a sad orb, <laughs> and I want to do Tears of the Sun. Well, the the, the the horrible thing was, and, and luckily it didn't come to fruition, but there was going to be another series where there were two very similar films competing with each other, like when we had Volcano and Dante's Peak. Yeah. And then, uh, luckily, the the financing fell out for Sad Moon. Well, then that was shot last year, actually. Finally. The weird thing, like, and I think... Um, the, weird, the, the reason the, the financing fell through is because they made the mistake of casting... Dylan McDermott and Dermot Mulroney as the two leads. And it's like nuclear fission happened right in front of everybody. Someone That's got to be someone's dream cast at some point. Maybe Dylan McDermott it's, and Dermot Mulroney's dream cast. <laughs> oh, God. Oh. Um, so does Brett, does, in the next segment, does Brett Eisner bring up Dermot Mulroney? No, or actually, McDermott. the next segment. Hey, that's, 
I think I'll bring it on to us. And the next segment is about how this film, well, it's basically about this film and stuff about it. <laughs> uh, actually, no, from the trailer, it looks pretty pretty action-packed. And I was hoping, actually, contrary to like some horror movies where I, I don't want it to be like a, an action fest, I kind of hope that the crazies, this new crazies was more intense and, and, and faster paced than the original. So that was what we discussed with the next segment, which you are about to hear. Judging from just the trailer and some of the behind-the-scenes stuff I've seen, this looks like it's, um, yeah, certainly as far as being able to have a little bit more flexibility in what the story that you're telling and, and how you tell it, um, it looks like it's considerably more intense and has a little bit more action to it. Is that the is that typical trailer scissor reel stuff, or is this actually kind of like the pace of the movie kind of like a, uh, a lot more aggressive? Yeah, the pace of the movie is definitely a lot more aggressive, and I think the commercials are a fair representation of, and the trailers are a fair representation of the movie itself. It is definitely an intense ride, and, and that was one of the things I wanted out of the movie. It was the, the original uh, version of the movie uh, took place in his bifurcated point of view of the movie. It was told from the military's point of view and from the town's folks' point of view, and in the development of, of our draft, removed the military's point of view. We also didn't remove the military from the movie, but we removed their point of view so that it would give more tension and suspense and horror by keeping it in the point of view of, of, of our heroes, our town folk heroes, who don't really know what's happening and don't have the benefit of, of understanding it beforehand but have to figure it out as they run and they're on, 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 on the run. But it definitely is, by design, a horror thriller movie that is paced to be really intense that almost never let up the anxiety and the action and the intensity and, and to really we try and weave in to this, these, this really intense action, that, uh, a, a story that, that lands and, and with character relationships that stick. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I'm so glad. So many times, especially lately I've noticed, where you get really amped up for a movie, typically genre films, by the trailers, and then you see the movie, and it's spoiled it for you. I mean, it's, you've seen all the big moments. I don't get that vibe from your trailer. Um, it seems like you give people just enough to whet their appetite, and that's a science. I don't know how much how involved you were in putting that together, but it's a very effective yeah, trailer. Well, well, you're so right. It's so true. It's like you, there's the experience of watching a movie in, in the dark, which is you've never seen an ad, you don't know anything about it, which is a great experience. It happens like so infrequently. Now, I remember once it was... Um, I can't remember what movie it was I watched. There was some movie I knew nothing about because I was in the middle of production and I hadn't seen any commercials and I went to see it and it was, and the premise of the movie was, was had been all over the ad. Uh, and then when I, but I didn't know the premise. I saw the movie and not knowing that really made a difference. And in a perfect world, it would be great if there were no commercials and no trailers and you didn't give anything away and just said, come trust us, come see our movie. We're not going to tell you what, we'll tell you the genre, we won't tell you anything else. Short of that world, which obviously doesn't exist, um, it's a science to give people enough to get them to the theater but not to give them so much that you've impacted too dramatically their experience of watching the movie. You know, we, in the crazies, there are a lot of surprises, twists, and turns that, you, that I'm hoping the audience doesn't see coming. And obviously, it's one of the great tenets of horror if you can spin a scene or spin a set piece in a direction you anticipate. And you just want to make sure the ads aren't getting in the way of that. Well, uh, you heard it from the man himself there, Justin. <laughs> yeah, he, he definitely... Um, uh, thinks his movies that movie that he made is intense. That was the key word there. If people were listening, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I mean, you know what's funny is he he's he's I, I kind of I mean he seems you know he's he he's Mike Eisner's son. He uh, he, yeah. he he made a film that uh, was considered one of the biggest flops of all time, and I think you know I I kind of like Sahara. I don't have a problem with it at all. Um, yeah. But I kind of was a little worried that he was one of those kind of to, you know, paper tiger type, you know, like uh, coasting on his father's coattails. But having done a little bit of research, I don't do much because, like Charlie Rose, I kind of just let the let the jazz happen. Um, he uh, he actually uh, he he's got a pretty interesting kind of little career he's been putting together. And uh, I mean, if you've seen the trailer, it's a fucking awesome trailer. Well, I do like the trailer. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm excited to see it. Um... And he did cast uh, Rhonda Mitchell as well, who I like. Rhonda Mitchell, who yep. was in um, Pitch Black. Silent Hill. 
and it's a Silent Hill film. Of course, the Killer Crocodile movie. Um, or whatever it was Rogue. called. Yeah, Rogue. I'll tell you what, the, uh, I, we, when we were on the set of Silent Hill, um, I found my eyes gravitating to her breasts a lot. Um, I'm not proud of that. But I, wasn't I did not. Time. So she was. She was a very. Was she very? You're. You're on the set of this film. But set not of this film. Of, 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 the, of Silent Hill. This Silent film was Hill. shot here in Georgia, but I didn't go to the set. I, I actually flaked on that. But uh, Silent Hill. She was on that, and yeah, because I was never. I mean, like I liked her in Pitch Black. She was fine. Um, but I, uh, I, I never thought she was. She's actually kind of. Uh, kind of stunning in a way. She's, um, she kind of comes off kind of plain a little bit on, on the screen, but she's kind of stunning. Formidable. I know, I, I know, I know that her breasts kept grabbing my eyes and looking at them. She's. Uh, I could talk about her breasts all day. Yeah, apparently, I, you know, she's a she's she's a talented actor. She's pretty. She's got a great name, Rada. She's got a, a pretty good last name, Mitchell. Um, yeah. She got she got um she got a. Death rolled by the crocodile and rogue and survived. Now that, my friend, is talent. Kind of like, um, kind of like exactly what how Saffron Burroughs was in Deep Blue Sea. She got rolled by the sharks. No, she didn't. She didn't make it though. She got eaten. Remember, she didn't she slice her hand and then jump in the yeah, water. She was. I think she was halved. Yeah, she, she got, got eaten. T- like she got. I think she, she got taken it. into half. She did it to save. I think she did it to save um, Thomas Jane. She sacrificed herself well, so they she, would get yeah, distracted by hand blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a, that's a great. That's a great one. That's a great, great one to bring up. You are Saffron Burroughs, another great name. Yeah, that's about that fucking deep core rice. So what else, what else is happening around the no, Breck interview? What else? What else is going on? Oh, there's more shit coming. It's a knockout. But um, you want to talk about some FX TV shows? Okay. It'd be it'd be my pleasure. The, the, are you, now are you talking about the Oliphant, the new Oliphant show? I I could I could speak to that. I could speak to that well. I could also let's, speak let's, to the having seen every episode and the denouement of uh, or the denouement. Of uh, of Nip Tuck, which uh, a lot of people are at the edge of their seats about. Nip Tuck, uh, is that a show that's watched by many anymore? I mean, I know it was once very popular. Uh, no. The guy behind the guy behind it is doing Glee now, and that's a popular show. But who's watching Nip Tuck? You know, Joan Rivers. Uh, Nip slash Tuck. Who's doing it? Uh, Mickey Rooney watches it. Scott Grimes. Um, the woman who played Scott Vera Grimes on on Alice. E- was on ER. Scott Grimes is about to fucking drop science in the Pacific. Is is he in the Pacific as well? Because he's in Band of Brothers. Scott Grimes, folks. He's in Critters. Was he not? Yes. No shit. That's that's Critters is Scott Grimes. I'm talking about. It's an incredible career, Grimes. I mean, he's he started with Critters, and then he just yeah. keeps going. He keeps rolling. He's He's uh, chewing, chewing through his career like a critter, you know. Uh, he he's done a good job um, when not in prison. He and, is uh, fantastic. He's red haired. He's a he's a he's a he's a he's a flame scalp. I think is what yes. it's called. Tough guy. I mean, he's, yeah, you know, he's had some trouble in his day. Just re- congratulations, by the way. Just just was married Danielle Panabaker. Happy what happened couple. to Danielle Panabaker? What happened got, to Baker? She got married to Grimes, Scott Grimes. You didn't hear this? No. It looks like she gets killed in the trailer. Do you bring that up in the in the Breck uh, Myers in the upcoming segments? I do not. I would have asked. There's how does one cast? How does one cast Danielle Panabaker and then just have her killed? You disgust me, Breck. You disgust. You disgust me, Breck. That's what I would say. That's not fair. That's not fair to Breck. 
you're saying that you're you're just complimenting the trailer about how subtle it is, and it looks like she gets destroyed in it. I can only hope that she's made short work of because I'm going to see it for Tim, for Tim Oliphant. That's all that matters to me. I'm in love with the man now. You know why, right? Because he's the fucking swinger. Why? Because he was incredible in the in the last thing we saw him in, well, not including actually, the FX TV series. I actually mentioned that, and I got dead silence, which you'll get to hear in a moment. But, Perfect uh, getaway. So Brett yeah, had not I, seen I, it. He was. I've watched. I mean, like I've been on a Tim Oliphant spree after watching every season of Deadwood. Then I watched, you know, Perfect Getaway with you, and then I watched that fucking Justified series. I'm I'm just filled to the brim with Oliphant, and I could take more. I've got room. He's great. He he's he's definitely redeemed himself um, from Hitman, <laughs> Hitman and Catch and Release. Another oh fuck off yeah I forgot about that <laughs> Catch and Release which starred with co-starred Kevin Smith in a very rare uh, sidekick acting role. Horrible yeah. film. I haven't Jennifer, seen it. Jennifer but, uh, Garner. I read I read about it in depth in his book about the casting yeah. process. Oh, okay. And I got to read about and fucking his wife, which is one of the things I need in my life is to think about that. Did you mention uh, catch and release to Breck? <laughs> no. You should have. You should have been like, "Hey, hey, uh, catch and release, uh, Breck." More like catch and unrelease. You feel me? Because that that would have been a good one to bring up to Breck. I think. Unfortunately, our jazz did, just didn't take us there. I know he felt it too, though. It was obvious that uh, Breck knew about our, our the energy that was between us. Would you like to hear Breck and I talk about Tim Oliphant for a minute? Yes, of course. You couldn't have had a better leading man. Yeah, he's awesome, huh, Tim? He's, uh, he's one of those guys that, like, I've always really admired as an actor since Go, I think, it was mm-hmm. the first time I remember seeing him. And I know maybe he did a role before, I can't remember, but the um, you know since he played that character in Go and The Girl Next Door and obviously all the Deadwood stuff, and he's just, a, he's like a real solid actor, like a, like a real, like obviously a movie star, but also has a real empathy to him. And, and, uh, and working with him was such a pleasure. He's a really, really intelligent and hilariously funny guy. And he seems to really have a serious approach to making movies. You, know, you look at him and you see how he looks, and you see maybe like Go, and you, you and you kind of expect him to just be another Hollywood pretty boy type of guy. But you hear you hear the way he approaches his craft, and it's really it's like he's been doing it for forty years. Yeah, if you're not prepared, if you're directing Tim, and you're not prepared, he will destroy you. <laughs> um, he is is I think the smartest guy on set, um, and I say that saying he's he's definitely smarter than I am. And uh, and you need to be prepared for him. He's uh, and it's it's great. He like he challenges you. He does. He's in a very like fair and and pleasant way. But he challenges every moment of the of the movie, every every bit. And, and if you're not prepared, you know he'll know it, and he'll and he'll and, and, and he'll let you know, and he'll force you to to, to, to get prepared. Yeah, he's and I, and I think the perfect thing about him is he's he's been everywhere, but he's not overexposed. I can't believe how long. I mean, like, if you watch Deadwood, and you, I just saw the first few episodes of his new show, and then of course, uh, Perfect Getaway last like last year. He's he's not you know he's working a lot, but he doesn't have that kind of uh, approach to making movies that he overexposes himself or pigeonholes himself. And this and that's why seeing him as like a good guy, like the hero yeah. of the of a movie like this, without as much of that of that risk of of wondering is he really good or whatever. Of course, the movie may change that opinion. But um, but uh, it's just really good. I, I have a feeling this is going to be a gateway um, movie for people that don't haven't yet clued in how good this guy is. I think so. I mean, it's it's he he's really good in the movie, and he, he, he's kind of like when you think when I was thinking about, about uh, Romero's original Crazy, it kind of reminds me of Tim. It's like a movie. Romero's movie is a movie that people who know the movie love and who people who know cinema are smart about it know and, and respect. And it's the same thing with Tim. He's a guy that. Not everybody knows he's not, you know, he's not the, 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 the best-known star in the world, but he's the guy that anybody who knows loves and respects and, and admires as a performer. And it's the kind of thing where hopefully this movie expands his reach even deeper into the, into, into the public. 
Well, it re- he reminds me a little bit of how Josh Brolin was kind of sneaky for a while there. Always good in movies, always kind of there, and then boom, you know. And 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 I yeah. and there's uh, there's 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 no shortage of talent there. I think uh, I think you'll agree, Justin, that I fucking smacked that one out of the park. So he basically what what I took away from that was Breck showed up. Uh, to set unprepared and didn't give a shit, and then Oliphant read on the riot act. Is that what was coming through there? It's like when you're unprepared, no, Oliphant should tells you what's up. No, I just think I think um, I think I, I don't think that's the case. I think what 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 Oliphant does is when he enters a set, time stops. I mean, the lights I burn picture, brighter, the grips grip grippier, life changes. I picture. I picture a, I picture a uh, bedraggled Breck kind of rolling out, empty Jack bottle, uh, uh, Jack Daniels bottle in hand out of like his Ferrari, and like what movie are we shooting again today? And then you know, everybody tries to prop him up, and then Alphonse all pissed, you know, kind of takes over, starts directing himself. I don't think so. I think I think I think in in a, in a way this is kind of a very big career moment for him because. He came on the scene. Let's face it, Poe was where he kind of came onto the scene, and he went from yes. Brecken to Breck is mine. Well, um, I, I guess that you, I guess this is kind of um, is, is this is exclusive. This is an exclusive Breck interview, Breck uh, Eisner interview. Yeah, I mean, I, we went. Who else to, is we doing went, them? You know, we went way off the grid with the topics too. I mean, like. There's, I mean, there's no doubt. This wasn't like your typical internet interview. This was like when fucking Vanity Fair like goes to the fucking horse races with a star, spends quality time, eats with them. I mean, like we dug deep. We dug fucking deep. Me and yeah, Brett, I wish he would talk. I wish he would mention talk about the movie. You know, hey, I know Eisner, you shot a film. On. You know, what's, you made a movie, man. You're here to talk about that. You know. Not your we talked antique. About, we talked about Longhorn, though. Yeah, you did say that. You did talk about Longhorn. You liked Longhorn. I'm a huge fan of Longhorn. He likes oh, he likes Tim, Tim Oliphant. He's a big fan. He does, and I, and I, and I don't think I don't think that's uh, untrue. I read an interview with uh, Tim Tim because we go back. Actually, I interviewed him like once, and it was boring. Um, we didn't talk about the weather either, but uh, actually, we did. But um, he uh, he is very like the way he like the questions he was answering. He really put a lot of thought into it, and it wasn't typical Hollywood bullshit. It was like really interesting, yeah. seriously. And I was like, okay, because he was talking about somebody talked about the remakes, and he and he was completely aloof about it. He's like, I don't care. He's like, you know, you go. And he, I think he made an analogy to going to see Hamlet on you know, it's it's just done in so many different spins on it. It's the same story, but it's approached so many different ways, and there's no right way. There's no one that stands out. And uh, I mean, I wouldn't say the crazies in Hamlet are of the same pedigree, but uh, eventually yeah, we'll write something that'll stand up. But he, uh, I think he's got a good point. It's kind of an interesting approach because like, you know, we spent a lot of time bitching about uh, remakes and all that. And, you know, it's maybe, maybe that's a fair approach. Maybe yeah, Tim Oliphant knows more than we think. He says he's not precious about remakes. I remember reading that. He says that, and then he goes and stars in the crazy. So he, he put his he put his uh, money where his mouth is, or whatever. His I didn't money know that was a remake of Precious. It explains a shitload uh, so, to me. Yeah, so he's a uh, you know the girl the girl next door was a. Um, he, was, a film, I liked uh, him. Uh, he was great in that movie. It's a, it's not a good movie, but he was. I thought he was good. I don't think it's a good movie, but he's good in it. You know. It's no Jennifer's body. Four out of five from uh, Waddell, uh, the Waddell movie rating catalog. Um, the, uh, so we, just uh, because you, you, you're because you're not setting me up, let me tell you about this new show that Tim Oliphant's starring in. It's called Justified, and it's a modern western based on the work of Elmore Leonard, and uh, he plays a marshal. Which he's played before, but who uh, his name his asked. name is interesting on that show. What's his name? It's weird. I don't remember exactly. It is a silly ass name. It's 
you know, it's a Kentucky name. He's, he's in Kentucky. He's a Kentucky gentleman. He's, he drinks Kentucky gentleman too. But he's uh he's a I'm fellow. Look up. I'm, I'm looking up now. I've got the press book here. His name is uh, Raylan Givens. And um, Raylan. So he, he yeah. So he um he's trigger happy. He he uh he he's very good at justified killings. Oh, see, within the line of his work, and he's banished back from Miami to Kentucky, where he has a history, and he gets up in some shit, you know, oh, old yeah. relationships, his ex-wife, some allegiances that he made, like with Walton Goggins from The Shield, who's in the first couple episodes. Um, it starts off very generic, but I have to, like, after, the, the second episode was good, the third episode was really good, or actually it was the fourth episode, they kind of skipped the third one. Um, yeah. I'm wondering what kind of a foothold it's going to get. It doesn't feel like some of the other FX shows to me, though, because it's it's not as it's not as aggro. But he's really good. Interesting cast. It's got a uh, William Ragsdale, isn't that? Yeah, he's he's only he's I've seen him for a total of like two minutes so far in the first three episodes that I saw. Dougie Doug is in it. Dougie Doug is in it. It's a Dougie Doug world. Wow. Yeah. Well, no, the Nick Searcy? <laughs> Nick Searcy's actually kind of good. I know. Like I mean... Raymond Barry is his dad, but I haven't seen him yet in the show. Yeah, they, Raymond Barry from um, uh, Walk Like Walk Hard, right? Yeah, he walk yeah. Hard too? He's shit in that movie. He's, he's playing, what? Uh, he's, playing, he's playing the Gary Cole role in that movie. Yeah. So he's not as good. Um, so, right, what like about? Uh, are you going to take a? Is there, I don't know if anybody's listening. Are you going to take a call? Or are we going to listen to Breck? There are huh? no callers. Not even Morvern. <laughs> What's that? Uh, peop- the, the producer's in my earpiece. Hold on. What? He's saying to play more Breck. Okay. Breck, tell us about your approach to horror. You had done an episode of that horror anthology show, correct? Yeah, yeah, I did the first episode of Fear Itself. Your name wasn't one I associated with, the genre. And then seeing the trailer, uh, not only is it gorgeous, um, but it just seemed like like a perfect marriage there. Do you have a horror sensibility, or is it kind of like um, just the, this project uh, just worked for you to, to make it your next feature? Well, it's kind of both. Uh, to be honest, I definitely have a horror sensibility, but my sensibility towards horror is very specific. I, I've grown up watching horror, and I love the classic horror. I love The Shining. is one of my all-time favorites. The Omen, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, Jaws, Carpenter's The Thing. Um, you know, those movies I, I, I just love, and I love them because they have strong characters. They have strong stories. They have... You, you can really get immersed in the world. The scares are one that work on a gut-tense level. Uh, it's not so much about the, the violence of the kills, although the, the violence is in them and, and, it, and it works in the movies, but it's, that doesn't define the movies. The movies aren't defined by their themes and their characters and their stories, and that, that's the horror I really, I really enjoy. You know, for me, horror is a great way to take a character and peel back that character to its raw inner center, its raw nerve of what a human being is, and it's a really great way to explore the, the dynamics of, of human nature and for the crazies, that's one of the things I was really interested in. It's this like primal fear of being ostracized by the people you trust most, your parents, your your friends, your your kids or whatnot. That it, it it's just a kind of gut level fear of, 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 of the people closest to you turning on you and it's it's one that's been explored successfully a few times before, like in Carpenter's the thing. It was the concept that initially attracted me to this project. Yep. A paying job also attracted him to the project. But uh, did, you, did you see but, how I did? You see how I set him up? It's like I want to hear him. I want to hear the man talk. And I fucking set him up, and he fucking rocked that shit. <laughs> you should have said. Uh, you should have said before you were a director. I loved you and movies like Clueless. You know, you should have just kept mistaking him for Breckenmeyer. Like, what does Odie smell like? (laughs) 
Breckenmeyer. I can't remember besides Garfield and Clueless what else he was in. He was in like Josie and the Pussycats. He was in Brecken 2, Electric Boogaloo. Oh. I don't know if you saw that. I did We have one more we have one more Eisner segment before it's over, but it's only like a minute long. I'm sorry, people. I'm sorry that's all I have. Don't sorry. Don't play just let, let's make them wait. Oh, absolutely. It's like it's like the cookie. Um, we do have a caller. Should I let that person into our life? <laughs> is it Breck? <laughs> That'd be a good way to introduce the segment, actually. We have a caller. Cause if that was the case, the call would be coming from inside the house, because as you can tell, he and I, tight. <laughs> Let's see who this is. Okay. I hope this caller has a question and isn't just going to just meander. Let's see what's going on. Hello, caller. Hello. How are you, gentlemen? Sounds like, sounds like Mr. Wren. This is indeed Mr. Wren. How, How are you could you not tell? You, you couldn't tell it was me from my retarded phone number? Your phone number is, is touched, but I wouldn't go as far as to say it's retarded. It, no, it, fair it enough. Stumbles, in, stumbles into lockers and uh, is last to be picked for kickball, but it's not totally there. Well, as soon as I got my new phone, as I was walking out of the store, I dropped it, so that may have something to do with it. But how are you, gents? Long time, no see. I think, so I have I to think the work speaks for itself, if you've been listening. <laughs> well, I don't know. I think this interview is going to go down in the, the annals of history, along with, like, Ebert and Robert Mitchum and Frost and Nixon will be Nunziata and Breck. Even now, Ebert can do a better audio interview. <laughs> um, they're really getting their money's worth out of this, though. This pro- this kind of this product shopping. Um, a lot of people listening tonight. Yeah, I think there's quite a quite an most audience are, in the in the chat room. Most people are gonna, are sleeping, but believe me, this is the first thing they're going to do with their morning when they get to work. They're going to oh, be like, course. oh, my God, the crazies came out. What is my conduit to the director? And what insight can Nunziata prod out of him? Did they not Did they not allow you access to Panabaker? Is there, was there some kind of mix-up problem? I, I accidentally got Pat you to Candlestick Maker. So, uh, Ren, did you have a question? Did you have? Uh, uh, I'm sorry, we we just started talking to you. Do you actually have a question for uh, for Nick or for um, for Brett? If he is live, by the way, this is this is a live interview. You know, I would rather I'd rather save that for when you come to my seminar. Oh, <laughs> well, I I don't know. I I've, I've been meaning to get you down here to to come and do a lecture, Nick. So maybe we can make that happen. It would be my honor. You'd have to consult with uh, the people whose curriculum I'm writing currently and see if there's time. But uh, I'm, I'm for it. I've got, I've got a, uh, it depends. I've got a fucking nasty one-on-one with Jeffrey Lewis I'm working on that uh, I'm planning on turning into a series of novels. Nice. <laughs> well, I, I, I honestly, I, I just couldn't let you guys go without any kind of caller, so I don't really. Oh, have we have a we have another one. We actually have another one out there too, which is good. But Ren, while we've got you, what was the last film you saw in the theater? The theater last film I saw in the theater. Yeah, I don't care uh, about privacy. Oh fuck! Last That's movie I remember fight. seeing was In the Loop. Uh, no, um, no, nope, that was definitely not in theaters. Um, no, what was it? Shutter Island. That's the thing I saw. Did you enjoy it? I enjoyed it. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I get a little more concerned about it the farther away I get from it, but it was a little too visually stunning to not like, like it. Wait, you mean like it, it can't, it's not going to be cold in the in the summer, and it's not gonna be, like it might not get enough nourishment? What? I, mean, uh, I don't know how it's going to. No, I, 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 I don't know. How did the last five minutes work for you without saying anything? Uh, well, to be honest, since I was I was I had been primed that it had you know the twist that ruined everything for, you know, almost a year of people saying that the the book, the the ending of the book was terrible. 
pretty much anything short of every character pulling out their dicks and fucking each other in the ears, I was pretty much prepared for. So I actually kind of enjoyed the ending. Like, that really didn't bother me very much. Yeah, just, actually, I, I thought the last few moments made, made me very happy. Yeah, it was a little talky, but uh, the, I, like I dug the concept and everything. I just, I do think it's a little thin, just kind of overall. Speaking but, of talky and thin, Ren, we're gonna let you go with that and uh, listen to the last Breck Eisner segment. Well, I look so, forward to it. Enjoy thanks. your evening. Thank you, you delightful little man. Um, we have a we have another person uh, on hold, and we're gonna get to them right after this segment. This is pretty much. Uh, this segment uh, is titled Hard R because basically I ask him if the movie has a hard R and he answers it. How hard of an R should we expect? It's pretty hard. Hard. I mean, the, the R is definitely for violence uh, and, and for a bit of language, but I think that the language isn't the thing that really gets you there. But it's, you know, it's intense. It's really, it's, when it needs to be, it's gory. It's not, it's, it's not gory without purpose, but it's, you know, it goes for it. It goes for the jugular, and it definitely, we don't shy away from showing the violence. Sometimes we imply it. Sometimes it's full-on frontal in your face. And, <laughs> and it, but it's always to serve the, the story and the violence and the terror of the, of the movie. Well, I'm, I'm real excited about it. I wish you the best luck, and I hope to see you on another horror film real soon. Awesome, and I hope you enjoy the movie. I'm glad you can get to see it uh, tomorrow. Thanks so much, man. What I cut out of that closing was where we exchanged phone numbers and instant messenger addresses. You said, let's make it three horror films in a row. Sahara, crazy. I, what I wanted to say was, you got to work with Zahn, and then his co-star from Perfect Getaway. Are you making a movie with Mia Jovovich next? Sadly, <laughs> we didn't get the time. The publicist came in and cut us but, It'd be uh, awesome, like by the way, to have a to have a movie that remember he says that there's gore, but it's not just gore uh, without purpose. But that'd be awesome to have like a movie where someone's just walking down the street and legs come off or like chest explodes, you know, no reason for it. Yeah, like That's how, gore I, without I, purpose, you know. What, I, what's I like happening in this our, film? It's in our face too. Like uh, it's, almost, it's almost like that. that what it does is it creates a, a symbiotic relationship between the, the viewer and the art. Well, he said it went for the juggler, but if it was really hard, art would go for the jugs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You get it? Hey, caller, how you doing? What are you? What are you, sir? I am a Wyoming resident and a Chud fan. That's what I am. Listening what? from Wyoming. What's your that name? Is true. What's your Okay, welcome, welcome to the to the fucking podcast, sir. Yeah, I I fawn for attention for you on Facebook under the Leviathan Joe name. Excellent. Well, look, it's come full circle. Here we are. Where's Where's yeah. one? Now here we are. Um, so I'm so happy to be on the show. I'm so happy that I can get the show through my phone because I was not able to wrangle enough free internet in my apartment to. Listen Wait, live. you're actually listening to this on your phone? Ah, uh, yes. Well, uh, how is of that? Of course not. We're speaking on the phone now. Oh well, that's for sure. Oh, so okay. Because that uh, that would be really cool. I don't. I didn't think that this little blog talk thing had an iPhone or app or anything. But that would be a good development. Me neither. Because otherwise, I mean, how are people gonna get Breck Eisner's fucking cutting edge comments? Uh yeah, that was a great comment. I always thought that gore served its own purpose, but maybe I'm just a child of Starship Troopers. Well, Chris Gore, actually, no purpose. Actually, here's a tidbit for you. Clindathu is like 30 minutes west of me. Really? The actual, yes, the planet of Clindathu. Now, we can they, they shot another. it there, or, or is it a real yeah, place? They shot it, okay. Yeah, they shot it, uh, some of it in the Badlands and some of them at Hell's Half Acre, which is, just uh, just east or west of here. I remember That's, actually wait, going there. You live, near, you live near two places called the Badlands and Hell's Half Acre, and I live near a city called Cumming. Ah, uh, yes, it's true. I think I, I think uh, 
Georgia and Wyoming are must be kindred in some respect. But what's interesting is I actually remember being 12 or 13 and going to Hell's Half Acre and thinking with utter reverence that, you know what, I wonder if Casper Van Dien stood in this exact spot. And I was so happy that his name was Casper also, because that is the town that we live in. Thank you for mentioning Casper Van Dien. I don't like to have a podcast go by without a mention of that man. And if you want to go one step further, on the set of Starship Troopers, catering included wine burgers. Really? Casper Van Dien. He is a... Uh, um, Still working. Hey, what's the last film that you saw, Andrew? Oh, what? The last film that I saw. It's a Island I failed as an interviewer. The last film that I saw probably was Avatar, um, because I'm a poor college student. I don't get to Oh, oh, you're the one who saw that. Yes, yeah. I I saw a little film. I thought I'd check it out. Um, People were kind of talking about it. There's a little bit of a buzz. There are people on the Internet who would like have you believe that if adjusted for inflation, the movie made 16 cents. <laughs> uh, correct. Um, Jaws is still the biggest in my mind ever, even though it definitely predates me. I had like, to say I thought that Avatar was good enough. Uh, I must say. I know you love it, Nick. And uh, I also know that I you do like love it, but I understand, I understand most of the criticisms, too. And honestly, I, when I, I call it James Cameron's masterpiece, I don't think it's a masterpiece. I think it's for for his filmography. It is kind of like the culmination of like all of his little threads, kind of you know connecting. But yeah, no, I, I do like it a lot, and I'm, I, I've seen it more times than I should have. So, but uh, you know, okay. I, we've all seen Bad Boys Two more times than we should have. Yeah, we've all talked to Brack Eisner more than we should have. Um, I mean. Well, I've chosen to do a one-hour show tonight because it's uh, it's late and because uh, um, I've got to be uh, on the road in the morning. But I do want to uh, I do want to um, end this thing with fucking magic. Panache. So I'm gonna I'm gonna close it now. No. Um, is there anything uh, anything uh, that you think we need to focus on moving forward as far as these podcasts go? Because I'd like I'd like to think that we're going to be kind of uh, doing this on a much more regular basis. What what do you, what do you enjoy the most about the, the podcast? Uh, I I just enjoy the fact that it exists and that I put it in my brain regularly. Um, how about some warning when these live events are going to happen on the Facebook? You got it. Yeah, I didn't. Really fun this day. was a spur of the moment. I knew that it would be unfair for people to go into this weekend unprepared for what Breck Eisner has to say. And so it all came together really fast. But I'm planning on either having like a, a, a specific time every week or specific times every week where they are where they happen, so people could you know cancel everything else in their life, or or, or give people more warning. So that's something I'm definitely working on. But uh, and I might do a couple more morning shows just for just for fun. But uh, so thanks for calling. I got to ex- good night. Wrap this bitch, bitch up. Thanks for calling, and uh, certainly. Uh, Tell everyone you've ever known about this, because uh, Justin, Brett Eisner shit, lightning Thanks. hot. Justin, Thanks, uh, Wyoming. We're uh, we're in the we're in the uh, tailspin towards the end of the show. You want to let's say something about Steve because he's not able to defend himself. I miss him. I miss him. He's a he's a he's a good man. Steve is working hard. He got a job. He's uh, he's uh, he's handling shit in the loading bay of Lowe's. Which, uh, you know, if you ask some of the people close to him, say he's overachieving. Um, proud of him. We spend the weekend with him, get him all liquored up, uh, and we're gonna uh, and we're gonna get him back here in town so he can load some more shit off trucks on Monday. Where are you guys going? We're going to the lake to to, to do some rock and roll. Um, and, and just so you guys know, if you want to befriend Steve on Twitter and Facebook, he is Skeleton Four Skeleton. IV. Yes. And uh, Steve is. In, Steve, you need to. You need to make him your friend just to piss him off. He doesn't want any friends. He, he hates the whole thing. So if you could befriend him on Twitter, Skeleton Four Skeleton IV, 
And uh, I guess that's a wrap. Justin, thanks. Brett Geisner, you're the fucking man. <laughs>